everyone's looking for silver bullets. I feel like it's the issue. Email is really like doing the same thing ongoing consistently well, right? So you have to make sure that you're collecting emails at the optimal rate. So you have to be testing forms, you know, testing the offers, testing the behavior, testing the call to actions, testing the copy, testing the design. You know, the more emails that you can collect without, you know, saying, hey, 90% off if you sign up here, right? The better. So if, with a reasonable incentive, whether it's like free shipping, entry into a giveaway, some kind of dollar off or percentage off, like getting the most amount of emails you can, you know, is great. Making sure that you have coverage pre and post purchase on automations is really important. Making sure that you're sending enough campaigns per week where you maximize revenue, but you minimize churn, right? Through segmentation, through making sure that you find the right frequency, that's super important. With the campaigns, right, you, again, you, you have to leverage segmentation. You can't just batch and blast. So those are kind of like the core ones that come to mind. Today in Inboxing, Chase Diamond, e-commerce email agency partner and teacher of great e-commerce email marketing to the world. And we're back. Uh, Chase Diamond. Personally, he's like the teacher. <laughs> like nonstop, just stuff about email marketing, building your brand, building your, your, your agency. And he's got a course, of course. And yeah, he's just an amazing guy, super humble. I just can't wait to talk to him. He's got a great story and uh, everyone can learn a lot from him. So anyway, without further ado, uh, please welcome Chase Diamond. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, for sure. Thank you for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. This is the season finale and it couldn't be, you know, I really wanted to go out with a bang on season two. And I feel like I couldn't get a better bang than Chase Diamond for the season finale. So, uh, I'm ready to rock and roll. This is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. All right, so we'll just jump right in. You just like start, you know, just give yourself like a little introduction, you know, where you're from and what are you doing today? Yeah, so I live in uh, Orange County, California, so the west coast of the U.S. And right now I'm a partner at an e-commerce marketing agency called Structured. So we're a team of about 100 plus employees around six countries. So the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Philippines, etc. And we're servicing about 150 e-commerce brands. So our brands do anywhere from a million dollars a year online upwards to a couple hundred million dollars a year online. <coughs> Uh, actually, one one brand from Israel that we work of is right behind me called Mixed Tiles, which you might be familiar with. They're oh, a yeah. cool, cool nine figure brand out of Israel. So <laughs> that we we do email, SMS, and a couple other services, but I really only talk about and focus on email. So that's kind of the high level. Okay, all right, that works. It's so funny. I didn't know your structure. I thought it was Boundless Labs, and I kept posting Boundless Labs. But I actually met someone who works for Structured, who you probably know, and she lives in Zephron. Uh, like a little bit northern Israel in the suburbs. And, yes, the story uh, there is I started Boundless Labs uh, about four or five years ago with a partner. And about two years ago, two and a half years ago, we merged with a company called Structured Social. So we only did e-commerce email. They only did paid social for e-com. And we merged together to be able to offer like acquisition and retention. And since we've added additional services so, and we kind of rebranded to Structured Agency. So that's people call us one, two, three of the names, and we kind of just roll with whichever. Right. Yeah. No. For sure. It's just so funny. Like, you know, because I had this call last week. Really, last week. Uh, someone I've been talking to for a while. She used to work uh, for Hush. Yeah. yeah. The blanket brand. Yeah. Yeah. Now she's doing head of retention. She told me for a structure. Yeah. She so. got promoted to running uh, the retention team. So she's now our director of retention. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. What's her name? I just uh, Ru- Ruthie. Ruthie. Ruthie, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Ruthie Abraham. Awesome. All right. So recently, and being, you know, 
nosy and digging in your LinkedIn. I knew you you've been dealing with Crohn's probably since childhood and recently you came out about it. And that and you turned into a story about like how that actually helped you become a marketer. Uh, so yeah, you want to tell us a little about that? Yeah, so I was diagnosed at the age of 13 and I spent, oh, I guess I got sick at the age of 13 and I spent an entire year being sick. So I technically didn't get the diagnosis till I was 14, but I started feeling really sick at 13. I went almost the entirety of a year without knowing why I was sick. People thought I was a bug or this, that, or the other. And I just kept getting misdiagnosis after misdiagnosis. So after about a year of just being really frustrated... I wanted to take it upon myself to raise fundraising and awareness so that way if other people had Crohn's, at least they could know about it, right? Uh, it's something that about 1.4 million people in the US have. So it's a lot of people, but as a percentage, right? It's like a percent of a percent. So there's not as much attention around it. So I really wanted to take it upon myself to do that. So I was doing like restaurant fundraisers. I was doing like ads out in the local papers. I was like emailing and calling friends and family. We were putting on walks. We were doing all these events to raise awareness. So at the time, I was doing a bunch of guerrilla marketing. You know, I didn't know that term until much later. And through that, I became the youngest board member of the top chapter of the Crohn's and Cladis Foundation. We did a few million dollars a year in fundraising through these efforts. So I got to kind of network and be mentored by like the CEOs and the founders of huge tech companies and this, you know, the CFOs and the CEOs of large banks. So these people around me were were running eight, nine, even sometimes 10 figure businesses. And just through proximity and them seeing that I was hungry and wanting to do well and do good for others, they kind of tucked me under their wings. So again, like in in hindsight, I realized how great this was for me. During the time, I just wanted to kind of like help serve this mission. Uh, So that's what got me into marketing through this really altruistic passion and kind of this need and this pain, I guess you could say, and wanting to help others. And I've kind of tucked that with me ever since. Like, I'm not really a paid acquisition guy. Everything I've done has really been like grassroots, community marketing, you know, email marketing, cold email, social media marketing. So that's kind of the high level story there. Right. It's really, it's amazing that you had that, you know, like a lot of people with Crohn's are just like silently suffer, you know, they don't come out about it. They don't talk about it. You know, it's uh, so, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. Like you really said, you know, we got to raise awareness about this. I mean, like I know a few people myself who have Crohn's and people don't know it's a gastro disorder. So it's not the kind of thing you want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah so yeah. I've been, then, yeah. Now, now even more people know about it. So yeah, we're doing great stuff with that. So when you started building your agency, like you're now at seven figures or seven figure agency, like were you like shooting for that? Like, did you think like we could grow it to to get the seven figures or like you're just, all right, let's just see what we can do and help some brands out, you know, with email marketing. Yeah, I had I had no clue. And and this year, uh, 2020, we'll do probably north of eight figures. So, you know, the previous years we've done seven. uh, Last year was like high sevens. Uh, but when we started out, no clue. And when we didn't even plan or want to build an agency. It was just myself doing consulting. And then I linked up with a few other guys that wanted to do consulting. For a long time, it was just two or three of us doing decent revenue. And our goal was just, hey, let's just keep doing this for as long as we can. And we didn't think about building a team. We didn't think about building an agency. We didn't think about keeping any of the cash that we were making in a bank account so we could hire. So we, we definitely did not intend to even build an agency, let alone an agency of the magnitude and the size. It still surprises us every day. We're like, is, is this real? Are we actually doing this? So it's it's been cool, but, but by no means did we think we were going to do this or, or actually try to do this. Right. 
you know, how much does it have to do with like combining with uh, structure? Like, because I think a lot of times with email agencies, like a lot of times the frustration is you don't control the whole process. Like you're doing email, but their acquisition team is like, meh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I guess, you know, being on both sides of that coin really like sprung you. Fair to yeah. Say. yeah, yeah, yes and no. You know, with email, you're absolutely right. Like what, what we do is only as good as the traffic and the leads that we have coming through, right? So them having strong top of funnel is really important. Most of the time, though, teams have strong top of the funnel, and then they bring us in on retention because retention is really weak. So oftentimes, you know, the brands that we're working with on top of funnel is actually different than our partners on the paid social time at Structured. We do have some overlapping clients. So, you know, if we have 150 clients, maybe 10 or 20% of the brands are brands that we manage both acquisition as well as retention for. But, you know, there's still a bulk majority of the brands that we are the, the retention team, and they have a totally different agency or totally different in-house team that's handling acquisition. So it definitely helps having them together under one roof. And our goal is to start selling more packages where we own the entire channel for D2C brands. Um, but that's at, at, at this goal right now, that, that's like a goal, right? That's an ambition. We're not, we're not there yet. We have kind of just started scratching the surface. So it's definitely helped, but it's not as far along as you would think. All right. So what do you think were like the keys to growing? You know, knowing you started like from almost nowhere, yeah. And then were there like big growing pains? Like we're like, oh shoot, like we're in trouble now. Like Oh, I mean, yeah, we, we still face growing pains. Like we, you know, are a hundred plus people and that introduces a whole set of new problems at a larger scale, right? So, you know, every month, every quarter, every year, there are things that come up and the problems that come up are so much larger just because you have way more people to maneuver, you've got way more overhead and expenses, you've got a lot more people that you have to be cognizant of in your decision making. So for us, I think going back to that point I mentioned, like we never thought we were going to do an agency. We just wanted to be consultants. And therefore, every dollar that came in went to our own pockets. We didn't have this you know, awareness to put money into a bank account to be able to hire a team. So that set us back initially, right? When we wanted to then flip the switch from consultants or freelancers to becoming an agency, we then had to wait a little bit longer to be able to hire because we had no cash in our accounts and we didn't want to take it from our personal stuff put it back into the business. So that was one, you know, in previous agencies prior to this one, we were trying to do every single service off underneath the sun and we weren't qualified to do that. So we were offering all these sort of SEO, influencer, uh, paid, like all these things we just said yes to early on. And that left us really kind of, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, right? And in this most recent agency, right, like we started Boundless specifically focused on e-commerce email marketing. And it wasn't until we merged that we started offering any other services. And the way that we offered other services was through merger or acquisition. You know, we partnered with the paid team because all they did and knew were paid. We've made, you know, like two or three kind of aqua hire kind of acquisitions since to offer additional services. We brought in really great people that have run, you know, email or SMS or paid search or content at other, you know, ESPs or SMS providers. So we've really kind of leveled up in who we've brought in and, and how we've offered additional services. Um, another one is like trying to get the team and kind of like, now we have like senior managers, we've got mid-level managers, we've got junior managers, trying to figure out like what information do you disseminate to which respective parties? What is too much? What's too little? And making sure that every single person gets the information as is, not the game of telephone, right? When I tell you something and when you go to tell someone else something, they hear it a little bit differently. So those are kind of some of the, the struggles that we've faced and in, in whatnot. All right. All right. So when you're onboarding a new client, and this might be like a little behind, but wait, what is, what's the playbook? Okay, we have a new client. Like, How do we onboard them and get them up and running? 
Yes, I'll start even uh, further than that, right? So a lead comes in, the first thing that we do is an introduction call. And the goal of that call is for us to understand where the brand's at, how they're currently doing, let's just say email, whether that's in-house with a freelancer and agency. They're obviously reaching out for a reason. What is that reason? Uh, we don't have the expertise. Uh, you know, The work isn't up to par. You know, It's too slow. We've tapped out. Like we, we, we don't know what we don't know, right? So there's a whole host of reasons in which someone might want to switch from internal to external team from one agency to another. So really trying to understand like where are the strengths and where are the weaknesses of the current process, and then showing them how we work. It's like, hey, this is very specifically how we work. You know, with brand A, this is how we do reporting. This is how we do our notes. This is how we do our onboarding. This is how we plan campaigns. This is how we plan flows. This is how we do you know, segmentation, whatever that might be. And we, we just screen share and show them who we work with and how we work. That's call one. If that call goes well, call two will basically be reviewing an audit. So in between those calls, we'll get access to their ESP. And then we'll do an audit. We'll basically highlight the good, the bad, and the missing. And then we'll also send a re- proposal. And on that second call, it's like, hey, here are our 5, 10, 15, 20, however many findings we had. Here's where we think we would start. And here's the kind of the scope and the pricing for us to do so. From there, right? If it's a good fit, they say, yep, let's get going. What we'll do then is we'll start building out the notion board, which is the project management system. We'll start collecting assets. You know, we'll start kind of setting up the calendar. We'll start getting access to all the accounts, right? So that's kind of the next step is like collecting the assets, getting the logins, and really start preparing for hitting the ground running. And then our playbook, right, is just like making sure that we're focused on email collection, making sure we're focused on setting up and optimizing flows making sure that we're, we're kind of hitting that right frequency of campaigns per week and you know, making sure that, you know, deliverability is strong and, and so on. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, and that that's what, you know, makes you really good. You know, you know how to improve the deliverability, you know how to you know, audit campaigns and see where the problems are, what the, what the issues are. You know, it's, it's, thank you. It's yeah. great stuff. So how much are you personally involved in all that process you just talked about? Or how much are you just, you know, biz dev, because you see you post at least three, four times a week. It's Twitter, it's, it's, it's YouTube shorts, it's, it's, you know, it's a ton of stuff. It's nonstop. It's, uh, you know, your link, you have a newsletter, I think, once a week or, or something like that, you know, something you're doing on LinkedIn. You grab it's a me. lot of content. It's, There's it's, a ton uh, of content coming out of you. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like two like free, that. yeah, it's like two free weekly newsletters, a paid newsletter. I'm actually posting on social like three or four times a day. So it ends up being like oh, a lot of posts throughout the week. But uh, my my role right now is a couple of things. Uh, one is yeah, like content, biz dev, partnerships, sales. So when I talk about like the first uh, intro call, that's what I do. I want to talk about like the audit and the close. That's what I do. And then from there, uh, we have someone on our team that kind of works with the the actual team that's going to do the work to kind of work on the onboarding and kind of the setup. So I I was in the day to day for. I don't know, three, three and a half years. And I haven't been in the day-to-day of like the actual clients. But a lot of what I'm doing is like creating content for the team, you know, helping them with some strategy, really helping them level up and then finding other agencies to acquire or acquire, finding and building out partnerships with the likes of, let's say like a Clavio, uh, throwing events, speaking at events. So a lot more of my stuff at, at this point right now is like market focused. And then obviously providing as much stuff as I can to the team. So that way, they're learning all the stuff that I'm learning. All right. I was kind of was, we touched on this a little bit before, but like, you know, was, what flows specifically 
do you look at first when you're starting with a new e-commerce client? Yeah, it depends on where they're at. So like what the context that we come in, the minimum they have to be doing is a million dollars a year. And most clients are doing five, 10, 50, 100 million, right? So every client's slightly different depending on like where they come in. But if I was starting from like very scratch, the first three I'd focus on is like the welcome series for non-buyers, the abandoned checkout, and then the customer thank you. Reason being, uh, welcome series for non-buyers, people come to expect that. That's really important to like educate and indoctrinate people into the brand. Uh, the abandoned checkout, people are so close to making a purchase. Like you just have to literally remind them and stay top of mind. Hopefully get them right. to convert. And you know, a good percentage of them will. And then customer thank you. Like you really have to show gratitude, reduce buyer's remorse, and just be genuinely thankful for that customer buying from you because there's hundreds, if not thousands, of buying decisions that someone could have made outside of yours. So you want to show that gratitude. So those are the first three that we always start with and always look for. That's 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 great stuff. All right. Do you guys always operate like done for you as opposed to done with you and consulting? Or is there, you know, Chase consulting or it's just really always done for you? Yeah, when we when we were starting out, we did everything. We did uh, done for you, done with you, straightly consulting, right? So done for you, straightforward. Done with you was more like, hey, we'll tackle campaigns, you tackle flows. Or we'll tackle flows, you tackle the campaigns. And then the consulting is more like, hey, we're going to be strategic across the entire email channel, but your team's going to have to be the one executing everything. So we were doing all of that. And then we went away from that for a long time because when in this consulting role, we were giving advice, but the teams weren't following it. And they were taking too long and they were taking too slow. And then they're like, look, the strategy's not working. And then we're like, okay, let us take on the channel. We're going to run the same playbook and we're going to show you it's going to work. We would then take over and it would two, three, five, ten 10x what they were doing with the same strategy just because they weren't doing it, right? Like people were getting lazy and we're like, send three emails this week and they would get one out, right? And it would be like half-assed or send out four emails and they'd send out two and they were just like the same email sent twice, right? So when we were doing the consulting before, people weren't strict and diligent and kind of following through with what we told them. So we weren't doing any of that. We only did done for you. But now, as we're working with these brands that are doing 50 million, 100 million, 200 million dollars, they have these teams in place and these people are doing a fairly decent job, but they just need some coaching and handholding and whatnot. And we're very strict and very forthright in kind of the onboarding. Like, if you don't follow what we're going to say, this isn't going to work. You're going to spend a lot of money with us and it's not going to be worth it. Are you guys going to commit to the calls that we have every week, the Slack? the work that we're going to tell you. If yes, let's do it. If no, you know we're not going to do it. So I'd say like probably 90% of our book of business right now is done for you and about 10% is consulting. So it's, it's starting to grow again now that we're opening it back up. Email marketers who run high volume email programs know that the ease with which you can make decisions impacts campaign success. And that's why Engage made sure it's easy to act on, optimize and leverage your data. With Engage, you'll be able to send your customers on personalized journeys based on the data from an action-based dashboard and with in-depth reporting. To learn more, visit hilleberg.com slash Engage and discover what Engage can do for you. Right. Yeah, and I assume also as you've been growing as a brand and a successful agency, like then these bigger brands already have a team. Yes. They're doing email and they're doing millions of email, but they they know like you have a lot of know-how and you know, what can you do? What can we, what can we improve? It's yeah. always about moving that needle and keeping it growing. <laughs> All right. All right. What was your biggest marketing win? I mean, it could be like 
for your brand, or it could be also like you know a campaign you ran that you were like knock the client's socks off and like you still smile when you think about that campaign. I mean, there's definitely a lot of those for clients. For me personally, I, I had a win literally yesterday that on the personal side that I was really stoked about. Um, I had to hit like 80,000 followers on Twitter. I hit like 33 followers on LinkedIn and 36,000 newsletter subscribers literally all in the same day within like 10 or 15 minutes of one another. So that's like the most recent personal big win I've had um, with clients. I think probably one of like the largest email revenue wins we've had uh, on a single email. I want to say we had a client that did like, I think it was like 500 to like 750,000 or something off a single campaign. So I think that was a pretty big win. Like they did, you know, half a million to three quarters of a million dollars with like a single campaign. That was pretty cool. And, you know, we've had lots of clients do 50, 100, $250,000 off campaigns, but never. Right. And there's always, it depends on the expectation, of course, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Right. They definitely weren't doing that before. And we can't take all the credit. You know, again, like emails only as good as the traffic and the leads. This brand had a really great kind of like cult-like community. They really, people when they came to the brand were really like fanatical, right? So oh. it makes our job easy. And it was really just lining up the dominoes. So that way, when we were to kind of do these big launches and these big promotions, that it was going to work. So we basically did a, like a lot of hyping. We did like a launch announcement. We did a reminder. We did a follow-up. So you know, with a single email, they did like half a million or three quarters. But over like the course of like, I think it was like three or five emails, you know, they did like north of, you know, a million, 1.5 million off of like, you know, three to five emails that they only paid us a fixed rate on, right? It wasn't like we were getting a percentage of that, which is a bummer, but that's the thing too. Like the larger the brand that works with us, the more upside that they have, right? So the more that they want to retain an agency like ours, because the more they make, they're still paying us the same amount. Right. You know, for sure. Like if you're successful in email, you know, you're raising, you know, another 10% could be another million dollars and you're getting $10,000 easy win, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. All right. How do you manage expectations with clients? Like, and especially you're managing, you said over 150 brands. Yeah. Like, is there like a whole team like communicating with clients or like, like how do you just handle all that? Yeah, so it, it really starts in the the sales process. Like we are very adamant about like how we do things. So for when we give clients approvals, they have three business days to get back to us on the, the approval, or we're just going to move forward with it if they don't respond. So we 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 basically in the very beginning we tell them how we work, and we almost kind of over index on being aggressive and kind of strict that it pushes clients away that aren't like that. Right? We try to kind of rule out the last minute Larrys. We don't want people giving us campaigns that are due in two hours from now that we don't want them to approve it or give us assets for it. And we have to turn around two hours. It just doesn't work with our process that we need to plan in advance. We need a few days to be able to turn something around. So everything is really strict on the sales cycle, sales process. And then we have a, yeah, account managers and the marketers are very close with clients, probably communicating daily, if not every other day on like where things at and kind of what we're waiting for and what we need and, and kind of how they're fitting that expectation or not. Are you like always building all the assets in house? Like you have a design team that's doing all designs and copy yeah, team, like all we that do stuff. Full service of A through Z when we do done for you, everything from strategy to copy to design to reporting to account management, execution, deliverability, segmentation. We manage the entire channel when we do done for you. Uh -huh. All right, all right. How much? I mean, you kind of touched on this already, so maybe it's we could skip it if you want. But like, how much research goes on? before you actually take on a new client? 
uh, as we're taking on a client, you know, we're doing like an onboarding where we're surveying them and we're getting them to fill out, you know, different questionnaires that we have to really learn about them. So we will do some market research kind of on our own, like brand A, who are some of their competitors? You know, how are they positioned? What do some of their ads look like? So we'll, we'll kind of do some quick research, maybe like an hour or two on our own. But most of the information we get is directly from their brand, directly getting access to Shopify, getting access to their ESP, their Google Analytics, you know, their triple whale, like what, whatever it might be. Like we're getting access to all the accounts and we're asking them, uh, you know, a series of questions. And, and that kind of serves the most research for us. What's the biggest mistake you, you made in your early days? I, I think like going back to like the question that you asked and like some of the things we did wrong were like not focusing on a single service, not basically storing kind of a float in the account to be able to hire people. Um, we probably often hired the wrong people and, and didn't part ways quick enough. You know, we like people, right? Like we're people, we're people persons, right? Like we want to make sure that like everyone feels safe and everyone feels good and everyone has a chance. And I think we gave people a chance for too long, probably to our demise into theirs. I think they probably would have been better off, you know, doing something else or going somewhere else too, or there probably would have been a lot longer term opportunity. Not being strict with clients, not firing the wrong wrong clients, right? Like now we have like a no BS policy, like where before we kind of put up with a lot of BS because we were kind of desperate and needed to, where now it's like, look, there's enough great brands. We've got a a lot of great clients. Like if you're going to be rude to our team or if you're not going to pay invoices in a timely manner, like, look, you know, respectfully, but we don't need you and you're not going to need us. So those are kind of some of the things that come to mind. Where do you look? I mean, are you still looking for inspiration? Like in terms of like email inspiration or, you know, I mean, you put out a lot of inspiration. Yeah, not not really. I am inspired by the work that our team does, though. Like, you know, some, I can't take credit for, you know, half of it, right? So a lot of the work that our team does, like, it's not all me. So I'm inspired by the work that we do. Like, I'll get emails in my inbox and I'll look at it and I'm like, holy shit, this brand is sick. And I'll forget that that's <laughs> one of our clients, right? Or like, I have this... Uh, Twitter account called email of the day. And a lot of the emails I end up picking are like our client emails just because like I'm so in awe. So a lot of the inspiration is like internal in terms of like email, but in terms of like social media growth and like monetization and agency scaling, like, I mean, there's a lot of people that I look up to for inspiration. A lot of people I look to to see like, what are they doing and what are the learnings there and how do I reverse engineer that? So email specific, it's mainly the team. And I'm sure there's other things, but not as much anymore. And then other things like, yeah, like so much inspiration. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing outside of email a lot of times. Like I don't know what I'm doing on socials. I'm trying to learn from other people and I'm trying to hack it together and figure it out. <laughs> it's funny because like you're, you're, you know, like you just said, you know, you have, what do you say, 80,000, uh, you, you have mad numbers going on. I mean, you've grown it really fast, right? Like it's been a year or more. Twitter has been a little over two years. Uh, the newsletter has been a little over two years. But like for, for me, like I just love helping and I love impact. That like I want zeros on the end of it, right? Like I'd love you to can see that. And that comes through. Three hundred sixty thousand people in my newsletter. I'd love to be helping eight hundred thousand people in my Twitter. So yeah, it's it's been good. But like I just see other people. Like I did that in two years. Which again, don't get me wrong, that's cool and that's great. But I see other people like doing that in eight months in in six months, right? It's like, they know something that you don't, right? Like on the email side, I think in my courses and my content, I know things that other people don't that I'm open to sharing. On this social stuff and on these other things, there are definitely things that people know that they're not telling you, right? And there's they, they don't have to tell you, right? So I'm trying to figure out what are those secrets and how do I share those secrets? Uh-huh, right, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, now, so do you like to focus on specific verticals? I mean, you're doing 150 brands. Do they fall into any categories? 
Yeah, I'd say, oh, so we don't necessarily focus on specific verticals, but we have concentration in verticals. It's not like we are actively seeking health and wellness or food and beverage. Uh, all of our business comes inbound. So it's whatever brands we're doing. And oftentimes, like if we share a case study with a food and beverage brand, that attracts food and beverage brands, right? So it's almost like we're attracting similar brands because we're sharing similar brands. We, a decent amount, we probably have in every category anywhere between like 10 to 25 brands. So uh, like fashion and apparel is a big one, health and wellness, uh, food and beverage is our largest. I think we've got like 25 brands in food and beverage. Um, home decor is a big one. Uh, accessories, so things like watches, jewelry, uh, wallets, etc. Yeah, so we, we probably are working in the top like six to eight major categories. It's kind of like our largest concentration. Yeah, beauty, you know, those types of things. Right, it's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you ever look like geographic data, you know, it usually works out that like New York, Florida, California, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, the same thing with businesses that kind of line up the same way. Exactly. Right. Interesting. I want to ask you a specific question about a client of mine. I don't normally ever do this, but Okay. Uh, I have a client who's a discount furniture chain, and they're they have like horrible return policy. There's no returns. Okay. It's final bidding is final sale, and the prices are really discount, and it's you know, and they deliver. But like, it's even in their policy that like, even if something gets damaged on the way to your house, we're not responsible for that because okay. <laughs> it's couriers, and yeah, it's just like your tough luck. How open do you think the like we should be about that? Like final sale, like that everything's final sale, and like I mean, their like I, their marketing strategy is like I would say what they've been doing for thirty years, which is like you know like it's not like loud, you know, you know, sale, 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 you know, everything must go, you know, ninety percent off clearance, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I'm trying to you know make it a little more personal, make it a little more you know trying to reach people and. You know, talking that like people voice, um, which we love to talk about. But I'm always wondering, like, should I maybe be a little more upfront? You know, like, I mean, I think it also gives value. You know, like if everything is final sale, like it means like this is like a real discount. It's a real deal. It's not, you know, just yeah, playing with margins or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I personally don't love that, right? Like, I'm always like forthright. You have to be transparent because, like. Sure, maybe you get someone to buy one time, but are you going to have like repeat customers if there's something that happens? So I think like the more transparent and the honest that you can be, like, look, as an email marketer, you're not going to be able to change the company policy. That's their policy. They're not going to change it because you don't feel good about it. But what you can do, and again, whether that gets approved or not, I don't know by the client. But I think, yeah, like introducing the language in which people know that like this is a final sale and the responsibility is on the buyer. I don't, I don't know if they can introduce like buyer's insurance, right? There's like some of those things where like, there's like buyer's insurance, oh. right? And people can buy that. But right. yeah, if I, I don't... wouldn't be that, it's actually not a bad idea. I could talk to them about that, you know, buyer's insurance. Cause like, probably add like, I don't know, 10 bucks on the sale, which is buyer's insurance. And then that covers any damages that can happen on the way. Which is and great for that... both parties, right? Like it's great for the company because if something does happen, they have insurance and it's great for the customer because things are going to happen, right? Like I'm sure a lot of things probably get delivered and they're okay. But for the ones that don't, you know, if there's a way to save and kind of salvage that relationship through being a great person, like I love like Amazon and I love Costco and I love some of these places because they're always on the side of the consumer. And I think when you're on the side of the consumer, that's how you win. I'm surprised the brand has been around for 30 years. Like normally a brand like that, that's kind of like that. Longevity is kind of an issue. 
But I mean, I guess they're probably doing some things, right? Maybe the quality. Yeah, no, I mean, they do a lot of retail. That's a huge part of it, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, so you know, thir- I think they have thirteen branches. So, mm-hmm. but the online part of it is smaller, but it's it's doing all right. And then try to help them grow. So yeah. all things are gold or diamond in this case. Um, <laughs> all right, just what are your favorite brands? <laughs> That's what I wanted to ask. Favorite brands? Uh, yeah, like who you look for? I shop from that I like that I work with that no, I, no 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 more than like you like following them like you love their emails like you love seeing what they're putting out like you, you know you read like you subscribe to them to get their emails because you love getting their emails you love seeing what they're doing yeah uh, a couple I think like Olipop does a good job I think Liquid Death does a good job we we have a couple clients that I really think do a cool job like this brand called uh, Hydrant they do a really cool job I mean do we have we have a lot of Clients, I'm thinking about like non-clients. Um, I think like the, a brand called uh, Away. It's O U A I does a good job. I think like Away Luggage does a good job. Casper, like there, there, there's like a lot that come to mind. It really depends on like the the category in which someone like works in. But yeah, like a little every day, I look at like my inbox to see emails that I like, and there's definitely brands that I keep sharing from um, the most, and and those are some of them. Uh huh. And Alipop. I mean, I had my last guest was uh, Eli Weiss, who used to do CX for. Uh, yeah, Eli's a good guy. He's a smart guy. Yeah, and he's a great guy. It was a great talk, and you know, just like it's amazing how he just like created his own thing. It's you know, it was a great conversation. Yeah, um, there's a client of ours called Magic Mind. I'm looking right now. Like, I've got some emails. Magic Mind is a cool one. There's a brand called Recess, which is a CBD brand, and does a really good job. I'm, I'm, I just kind of share the same brands. Brand called Good Light. Uh, twice oral wellness. So, I mean, there's, I, I have probably like dozens of brands. It, yeah, it just depends on the category. All right. Awesome. Okay. So, what, is, what are some of your favorite campaigns that you've run? I mean, we talked about or just seen. It doesn't have to be your campaign, but like an all time favorite campaign or. Yeah, I got one. On April Fools, for a few brands, we did this. One was this brand called Nugs. What's one of our clients? It's like a chicken nugget alternative. And essentially, what we what we did was we basically did a, a trail of chicken nuggets. So like literally you'd open the email and it would just be like a zigzag trail of chicken nuggets. And you would literally scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll all the way down the email. And at the very end, it was like, hey, we just wasted, you know, 60 seconds of your life, you know, forward this to a friend who you want to mess with, you know. So we, <laughs> we just do like some of these like really ridiculous emails, of like just this chicken nugget trail because that's what they sold going for days. Uh, we, we did an interesting one where we're like, some of our products, I think they sold candy. And we did like a massive jar in the email of like candy. And we're like, guess how many, you know, candies were in here? Like scroll down to see the answer. And then it was like, we don't know. Like, why does it matter? Right? Just buy from us. Like, like you know, we just we just do like some really ridiculous emails and people love them. They respond and they share them and they just love them. So and again, you have to have the right brand. Like these are some of the brands that like, you know, we just mess with. And that's like the the tone and the persona of the brand. So yeah, for for the right brand, just being ridiculous within the inbox is great. Right, no, for sure. And I, well, as you get bigger, work with bigger corporates, and you know, like as a you know older older brands, not like these startup DTC brands. You know, like they are a little more nervous about these kind of things. You know, yeah. You handled those objections before. Um, look, we we know who and when the right <laughs> brand to present that to is or isn't based off of like their customer. Like, is their customer, you know. Young or is their customer old? You know, how do they portray themselves? If they're like just literally using like black and white colors and everything is so corporate, like 
we're probably not the right fit for them initially anyway. So uh, we like to have fun. We like brands that have cool branding and cool assets and have a personality. So yeah, like we, we wouldn't ever probably work with like, uh, I don't even know who an example would be. All of our clients are kind of more like fun and interesting, right? Like we work with like Poopery, the spray for the bathroom, right? They have like those ridiculous commercials with that lady that's really like proper, right? Um, so we, we just work with like kind of weird and fun and quirky brands. So most of them are kind of cool to, to a degree. And what are your top tips to pushing an email program to the next level? So again, it depends. Like everyone's looking for silver bullets. I feel like it's the issue. Uh, email is really like doing the same thing ongoing consistently well, right? So you have to make sure that you're collecting emails at the optimal rate. So you have to be testing forms, you know, testing the offers, testing the behavior, testing the call to actions, testing the copy, testing the design. You know, the more emails that you can collect without, you know, saying, hey, 90% off if you sign up here, right? The better. So if, with a reasonable incentive, whether it's like free shipping, entering into a giveaway, some kind of dollar off or percentage off, like getting the most amount of emails you can, you know, is great. Making sure that you have coverage pre and post purchase on automations is really important. Uh, making sure that you're sending enough campaigns per week where you maximize revenue, but you minimize churn, right? Through segmentation, through making sure that you find the right frequency, that's super important. Uh, with the campaigns, right? You, again, you, you have to leverage segmentation. You can't just batch and blast. So those are kind of like the core ones that come to mind is, is, is those. All right. Awesome. Final thoughts? You know, do you have any final thoughts? It's always how I am. No, I feel like I've talked a lot already. So I don't think I, I need to say anything else. You definitely have talked a lot and definitely it was a lot of great nuggets. And uh, I really thank you a lot for showing up and just filling your brain. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Audience. <laughs> so uh, thanks again. Uh, I hope we can keep in touch. And if you're ever in Israel, let me know. I know you have a lot of here. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, a lot of clients. I'm Jewish. Uh, I wanted to do birthright for a long time. I just never got around to it. So I have, I'll have. i make a trip at some point. Yeah, no, you got to, for sure. I mean, I think there even are, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but there are birthright trips for like 30 plus. Oh, okay. Um, I'm 29, so I guess I got time. Are you still, yeah, you can find it for sure. And uh, yeah, it's funny, like there are guys, you know, I'll, I didn't know you were Jewish, but Diamonds actually, I know Diamonds that are Jewish and uh, Crohn's disease is well, I don't know what percentage it is, but it's a very Jewish disease. Yes. So that would be other tip off. <laughs> yeah, I'm first born in a Jewish family, like Ashkenazi. So like a lot of the, the signs point to, yeah, Crohn's being more common than not. Right. I'm curious where, I mean, maybe we could continue this after the broadcast. And then wrap this up. All right. Thanks again for showing up today. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I certainly did. But that wraps up season two. Thanks again to Engage, our amazing sponsor, uh, who really made this whole season pause. So looking forward to season three. If anyone's interested in being a guest or a sponsor, please reach out. And that's our show for today. Really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and uh, leave a review. Um, if you'd be interested in being a guest on Inboxing, just send me an email at hilloberg.com. <laughs>